Welcome to Archway's Western Civilization History Podcast. In our podcast, we look for the best of the West and discuss the stories, events, themes, and people that made the West different than the rest. Last episode, we talked about the life of gladiators, their classes, and rules. Today, we'll discuss the most famous gladiator, Spartacus, and his gladiator rebellion that turned into a countrywide slave revolt that shook the Roman Republic to its core. While the revolt did improve the lives of Roman slaves, it also resulted in the eventual fall of the Roman Republic and its rise into the Roman Empire. This episode pairs nicely with Marie's episode, He Crossed a Line Somewhere, which covers the aftermath of this story regarding Pompey and Crassus. The story of the Third Servile War starts with a gladiator named Spartacus in the year 73 BC. Spartacus was a Thracian. Not the gladiator type, but actually he was from that clan. Some historians suspect that his gladiator class was a mermillo, the bare-chested gladiators with the big, gem-encrusted belts. His name actually means renowned with the spear, and if that is true, then he certainly is a true Thracian. Spartacus is also the name of the kings and princes of a certain Thracian tribe, so he may have been royalty. Or it may have just been a nickname because he was awesome at spearfighting. The historian Florus described Spartacus as, quote, a mercenary who had become a Roman soldier that had deserted and became enslaved, and afterward, from consideration of his strength, a gladiator, close quote. The somberness of this line is reminiscent to me of this quote from the 2000 Ridley Scott film Gladiator, where a fictionalized version of Emperor Commodus tells a gladiator, A general who became a slave, a slave who became a gladiator, a gladiator who defied an emperor. Striking story, but now the people want to know how the story ends. Only a famous death will do. How right Commodus was and we will see a similar arc for Spartacus play out in this episode today. So, Spartacus was being trained at the gladiator school in Capua. That was the location where he and 200 other conspiring gladiators plotted their escape. However, one of their number betrayed them, and guards came to round them up while they were sneaking out through the kitchens. Instead of submitting to arrest, Spartacus and 70 other gladiators grabbed forks and knives, and they killed the guards. The fugitives found, they found several wagons of gladiator equipment lying in the courtyard, and so they stole those and fled into the countryside. As they left Capua, they plundered the farms and freed any slaves that they found in the surrounding areas. Many of these slaves joined them on their march. Where were they going? Well, the slaves hoped to eventually get out of the country, perhaps flee to Cisalpine Gaul. But for now, they wanted a more defensible position to repel the inevitable bounty hunters. And so, they headed to the high ground, Mount Vesuvius. It was on that march that the slaves appointed Spartacus and four others to be their commanders. By that point, a small contingent of soldiers had been deployed from Capua to hunt the escaped slaves. The gladiators killed the small detachment with ease and took their weapons and armor for themselves. After that, the Roman government realized this was going to be a serious problem. 
Praetor Gaius Claudius Glaber was dispatched. He gathered a force of 3,000 men from local militias to fight the rebellion. They too were defeated. Now, more than 2,000 professional soldiers had to be deployed from Rome itself in order to put an end to this rebellion. When they attacked Vesuvius, however, the slaves used the surroundings to their advantage. They used vines and ladders to repel down and surprise the Roman forces from behind. These 2,000 Romans were slain and their weapons were seized as well. By now, the slaves had amassed a massive force of 70,000 ex-slaves and gladiators. They were also very well equipped thanks to the generous donations of all these Roman legionaries coming to visit. In the winter of 73 to 72 BC, the escapees spent their time training with the new weapons and learning the Roman tactics from former soldiers like Spartacus. At this point, the leadership was divided as to what to do. Spartacus wanted the slaves to escape, while other commanders, like Crixus, wanted to plunder the Italian peninsula and maybe even lay siege to Rome. Crixus led 30,000 of the men on a plundering expedition, while Spartacus and the rest headed north to escape. This was when Crixus was attacked at Mount Garganus by Consul Gallius and an entire Roman legion, which... A Roman legion is usually comprised of about 6,000 soldiers, and then they usually have a similar number of what's called auxiliaries. And auxiliaries are specialized soldiers, usually cavalry or archers, and they are from other countries, and they're there to support the regular Roman legionaries, who are usually infantrymen, heavily armored, fighting with the gladius, and they're typically wealthier. Anyway, this Roman legion defeated Crixus's men, killing about... 20,000 of the escaped slaves. Spartacus was still left with a large force of about 50,000, and Plutarch writes that they continued to defeat the armies that were sent against them. The Roman Senate grew to fear this unstoppable horde. They appointed a general and statesman named Crassus to take over the war effort. You might recognize the name Crassus from Marie's episode, He Crossed a Line Somewhere. Crassus was the grumpy and exceedingly wealthy firefighter who would later team up with Julius Caesar to rule over Rome. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The first triumvirate won't be for 13 more years. Crassus was given six additional legions along with the two already deployed, making his force a size of approximately 32,000 to 48,000 trained Roman infantry plus all of their thousands upon thousands of auxiliaries. Now, according to Plutarch, Crassus treated his legions with brutal discipline, reviving the ancient punishment of unit decimation within his army. Decimation refers to a tenth or a tithe, and so the idea of this punishment was to kill one soldier at random from each decade. A decade was a little squad of about ten soldiers. The idea was, if you punish a cowardly, disobedient, or failure-prone legion by killing one-tenth of their soldiers, they'll stop embarrassing you. And so, after an embarrassing early defeat against Spartacus, about 4,000 executions occurred in Crassus's army. Nevertheless, in spite of continued victories, this army was enough to chase Spartacus and his escapees away from their hoped escape in the Alps. 
and so increasingly they had to go further and further south, for their only hope for escape was by the sea. They tried to charter some pirates to ship them over to Sicily. But as pirates are wont to do, they took the money from Spartacus and they didn't sail the army to Sicily. They were the pirates who don't do anything. Spartacus's men then desperately attempted to construct their own ships and rafts to get to Sicily themselves, but this did not work very well. For during this time of shipbuilding, Crassus maneuvered his army to keep Spartacus stuck by the shore. Crassus's army then started constructing a wall. This wall prevented new provisions from coming into Spartacus, and it also prevented his men from escaping. The Roman, the Roman Senate then sent more legions to come down under the direction of a general named Pompey. Now Crassus wanted the glory of victory all to himself, and so he denied Spartacus's requests for peace, and he made plans to end the war speedily before Pompey could arrive and steal all the glory. But Crassus's plans were frustrated one wintry night when Spartacus and a third of his men snuck over Crassus's fortifications. Unfortunately, this reduced group was once again plagued by infighting. Spartacus's forces divided, and Crassus was able to pick off another group, this time of about 12,000. Luckily for Spartacus, his main body was still quite strong and quite well armored. They were able to rout two more of Crassus's legions. However, this made the rebels feel overconfident. To their ruin, instead of continuing to flee or hide, they felt emboldened to fight the entire army of Crassus head-on. Crassus utterly annihilated them. In a bloody battle, thousands of Spartacus's men were killed. 5,000 rebels who fled the battle were captured by Pompey's army and executed as Pompey arrived. 6,000 rebels who Crassus had captured alive at the battle's end were crucified in a line for miles across the Appian Way to Rome. Spartacus's body was never found, but he is presumed to have died in that battle because, well, everyone died in that battle. The famous I am Spartacus line that is purported to have happened here is a fabrication from Stanley Kubrick's film. For those who don't know, in the film, Crassus asks the 6,000 captured rebels which one of them is Spartacus. In solidarity with their leader, each slave declares that he is Spartacus. And then they all get crucified. Now, can you imagine how horrifying that would be? Imagine driving up the I-95 on your way to Washington, D.C., and the whole way you see hung corpses on the side of the road. Very disturbing. Anyway, both Crassus and Pompey refused to disband their legions. This led to tens of thousands of troops marching and encamping around Rome as the victorious generals returned home. Nervously, the Senate decided to elect both Crassus and Pompey as the consuls of Rome in 70 AD. This in spite of the fact that Pompey was actually ineligible to even run for consul. Obviously, it was a fake election. These two, despite their ongoing rivalry, would later team up with a young rising star named Julius Caesar and continue to use the threat of violence from their armies to throw out more and more of the Republic's laws and principles, eventually resulting in Caesar initiating the First Italian Empire.
The death of Spartacus may have led to the fall of the Roman Republic, but it was not entirely in vain. For one thing, his rebellion led to Romans having a far greater respect of their slaves. Wealthy citizens with lots of slaves, not wanting their own rebellions on their hands, started treating their slaves with much more humaneness. The large agricultural plantations that were used to force hundreds of slaves to work against their will, they decided to release many of their slaves, figuring that it was less risky to hire freedmen and sharecroppers instead. And the gladiator schools were now banned from having more than 320 gladiators at any given time. Marcus Aurelius and other emperors tried to pass laws making the gladiator games result in less death. And Emperor Claudius signed laws that made the killing of an old or infirm slave murder, and he decreed that if slaves were abandoned by their owners, they became freedmen by default. Because of these new laws, the Romans did not see a slave or gladiator rebellion of this magnitude ever again. If you want to learn more about this topic, check out Plutarch's Crassus, chapters 9 and 10, and Appian's Civil Wars, 1.116-120. I'm Doug Archway, and that's history for you.